My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Hello, 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 and welcome back to the post-credit pod. Obviously, this is a big week for many reasons, not the least of which is the Mandalorian season finale. We will be having our weekly Friday episode on that. But today, in advance, in honor of the last episode of season two of The Mandalorian, we will be hosting our Star Wars draft. And Eric, maybe you can throw in the theme song right here for a building crescendo of drama. Because, you know, we've done drafts on this pod before. We did David Fincher draft most recently. We did a superhero movie draft. But man, a Star Wars project draft is right up my alley. Maybe the episode I was born for, I would say. Uh, Before we get to that, though, going to hit a few quick hitting news tips that are going on in the week and our first ever exclusive rumor before we get to that eric you're probably quite happy about this uh today the national film registry added a bunch of movies to its archives you know movies that will be protected in case the end of the world happens among them is the dark knight is your blood pressure at a normal level or are you currently like ovulating with a man's version? Well, first of all, Brandon, let me just say uh, Mazel Tov, right? Is that the correct thing to say? Not for Hanukkah, but I'll take it. Happy Hanukkah. Mazel <laughs> Thank Tov. you, I appreciate Whatever. that. Um, yeah, I mean, look, is this, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look up. Is it the first modern comic book film to get in there? I, I, I don't, don't know. know. I would imagine if I had to guess the Christopher Reeve films or first one is in there perhaps X-Men one maybe the first Batman maybe but in terms of like modern day Spider-Man and beyond I would guess that this is probably the first one I think Spider-Man and beyond sounds like a great film title for a future probably. future installment I would watch Spider-Man that. five and beyond yeah but yeah, other entries include the Blues Brothers Grease the Hurt Locker Shrek or as Eric tweeted, shirk. <laughs> just, just I don't know. That, I, I didn't mean to, but then I saw it and the tweet was doing well, so I couldn't take it down. But something about shirk is just very funny to me. That is the epitome of first world social media age problems. No, that I, is why you don't tweet first thing in the day. You have coffee first and then start <laughs> tweeting. What about if you're someone like me? You don't drink coffee. You're just screwed. Oh, yeah, but you crush like Coca-Cola, not the, the drug, the drink. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, uh, I try to limit my Coca-Colas, but I really only do them for our podcast now. So give oh, me that extra I feel energy. like every time we sign on, you're slamming a yeah, Coca-Cola. <laughs> but that is specifically for the energy, so I'm upbeat, up-tempo on Got the you. microphone. Got you. I like it's that. It's not That's a normal commitment. occurrence. Yeah, there you go. He uh, is literally yeah. poisoning his body for you people. <laughs> well, I drink less Cokes than you drink coffee, for sure. Guaranteed. Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right. In other news, Chris Pine is set to star in the Dungeons and Dragons film from the Game Night directors, the Spider-Man Homecoming writers. Uh, listen, this is like another attempt at, at starting a new franchise. We've seen new to screen content fail pretty consistently in recent years. That's nothing against the creative team, which I really like. It's nothing against Dungeons and Dragons. It's certainly nothing against Chris Pine, who you and I both kind of bro crush out about on this show. I, I just oh, don't yeah, see this do. necessarily <laughs> breaking out as the next franchise. I mean, this is a huge title. Dungeons yeah. and Dragons is like the, what are these called? Like an RPG game, right? Or... It's like an interactive role-playing game. And I believe I saw a stat 
today that they've sold more than like 45 million copies of, of you know, what it, I don't know if it's a board game or what exactly you call it, but you know, it's not an insignificant number. This is, and, this is heavy. And given how well Game of Thrones just did, it's obvious that people enjoy this sort of medieval fantasy type content. For sure. But see, the problem is the first thing that my brain thinks of is that Warcraft film from, a, God awful. from a few years ago, which I didn't see, but the trailer told you all that you needed to know. It was bad. Don't see it. Most game adaptations are not good. These guys are like comedy writers, which sort of struck, which they sort of give me like an early days Phil Lord and Chris Miller vibe. Oh, yeah. that's, a, that's a pretty good comparison. I like that. Um, and Chris Pine, who we both love, I think he's got the right blend of comedy, drama, uh, handsomeness, A-lister, <laughs> cachet name. So if it's sweet and if it's well-made, I think it could do well. It all depends on, is it well-made? That is the bottom line. Yeah. If it turns out to be well-made and has good word of mouth, a title like that will do well. Here's my thinking. Uh, it's certainly right up my alley as a sci-fi fantasy nerd. I've never played Dungeons & Dragons personally, but yeah, you know, I I'm sure it's probably pretty fun. My thinking is because I like the creative team, this is going to be the underrated, funny sci-fi movie that you and I are like, dude, this, this slapped and that nobody goes to see and nobody buys a ticket. That's my yeah. prediction. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Fingers Chris Pine, uh, you know, it, despite the fact that he led the Star Trek films and he's, you know, in these Wonder Woman films, is he really, like, he's A-list to us, but to the common person? He's, he's not A-list like Chris Evans is A-list. Yeah, so. I, I hope it does well, because that's, it's all the ingredients I want yeah. in, in a, you know, uh -huh. an adventure. All right, last little bit of quick news. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 officially dropping in 2023. Eric, is there any chance that it's too long of wait for fans? Or do you think just because of how interconnected everything is well, with the, the holiday special? You know, I'm sure we're going to get an update on what's going on with them in Thor. Yeah, probably. I would assume at least at the beginning of Thor. Love and yeah, Thunder, right? I mean, no, well, Chris Pratt is going to be in Thor. So you think there'll be enough juicy details between then to be like, ah, yes, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is here. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, again, the last time we saw them both, they were literally saying, we're going into space together. So, <laughs> yeah. So whether they split off or stay side by side, we're going to get a pseudo update on Guardians 3 in Thor 4. I'm excited. I'm excited for it. And then before we move on to Loki and diving a bit into Marvel, let's make a quick prediction since we're recording this right before we're going to uh, see the season finale of The Mandalorian later this week. Eric, my friend. You just made such a serious post. That's hilarious. My collaborator. Like, like it's about to get super real on this podcast as we talk about absolute nonsense yes but this is what i get real about i tell everybody that I, I get serious about the serious things star wars is serious okay shoot <laughs> do you think a jedi any jedi shows up in mando season two and if so before you answer who do you think it is okay i would have hoped you were gonna go first <laughs> um if i had to guess in my heart of hearts i don't think one shows up this week I think that since they've already debuted a Jedi this season, debuting another one is a card that they don't need to play quite yet, especially if it's one of the big ones, like those names that are being tossed out there, like Luke. That said, if they did show up, I definitely don't, don't think it's Luke. 
Agreed. The one that I want to see most would be Mace Windu because Samuel, the king of franchises, is already doing a Disney Plus MCU show. And he's long been rumored to want back into the Star Wars world. And given that we know he was on Coruscant the same time as Baby Yoda was, it all seems to fit. And that would be an epic reveal that could lead to his own show or he could be a part of this show. Who knows? Or I think it's going to be Cameron Monaghan's Cal Kestis because he sort of feels sort of like the Cara Dunes and the Cobb Vance of the world. He's not a big enough name where he would take away the spotlight from our two main stars, but would still be a cool enough reveal to warrant showing up in the season two ending. I think we could definitely wipe off Luke. If they did do Luke, I mean, they would break the internet. That (laughs) shit would go crazy. And I think we could definitely wipe off your boy, uh, Ezra Bridger. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think a Jedi shows up. I think because you have Cara Dune, you have Boba Fett and Fennec. You have maybe Cobb Vanth uh, coming back. You have maybe Grief Karga showing up. That there's just already so many supporting players that one, you don't need a Jedi. Two, it, it sucks up all the oxygen in the room. I gotta believe whoever Baby Yoda was commuting with, that's more of a season three storyline. So maybe we get a reference, maybe we had a mention or a hint, but I don't think we're actually going to see any Jedi in the season finale. Plus, that would take away all the uh, anticipation for the Beskar Spear versus Darksaber fight. Well, my thinking was, and I wrote a post on it for work today about who Check that could... out on Bro Bible, everybody. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. But I did say that if one were to show up, I could see it be like a last-ditch thing. Like, Mando were to lose the duel, and then the fucking Jedi pops up like, and then, you know, just Star Wars music, and we're off, dude. Forget so like about the it. WWE version, like, wait, that's Ahsoka's music. <laughs> exactly. And what's nuts is that she's the only one of the potential candidates to pop up. She's the only one of them who have actually been in the show, and yet nobody really thinks she's going to show up. Yeah, she she was there one and done. Now she's getting her own show. Happy go lucky. But don't you think that she might feel some guilt because she is the one who sent them to Tython and that's where Yoda got captured. And since she's the one who told them what to do, she definitely must have heard him. And perhaps he was like, help, help. You know, I think that makes a ton of sense. And listen, I would like to see Ahsoka. But I just think from like a narrative standpoint, they're, they're not going to have that happen, which means like you and I can be like, as a human being, definitely, she shouldn't feel bad. But because this is a script that's being written, it's like, oh, yeah, sorry about that, guys. My bad. Oh. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right. Fair enough. So bottom line is we're both no, but I would okay, love to be proved wrong. Gladly. Yeah, this is one I'd <laughs> happily have Twitter, you know, yank me on. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Marvel. Yeah, it seems like uh, we're Star always Wars, talking Marvel, about Star, Star Wars, Wars or Marvel. Marvel. Yeah. Well, to be fair to us, Mando has been two months long. And then at yeah. the end of it, they dropped all this news, which is like more than a week's worth of stuff to talk about. So, And then yeah. WandaVision drops in three or four weeks. So it's not really going to stop anytime soon. Yeah, you can't blame us, guys. We're, we're following the mainstream blockbuster properties, which is exactly what this fr- uh, this podcast is about. So deal with it. Plus, we got the Midnight Sky 23rd. I've seen it, and the more I think about it, the more I 
enjoyed it, and I am pumped to talk about it. The more I think about it, the more I didn't enjoy it. Oh, uh, what a surprise. So that'll be a good debate. What? Yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> all right, let's move on to Marvel and Loki. You're taking me somewhere to kill me. No, I'm taking you someplace to talk. Where I lie, I don't like to talk. But you do like to lie, which you just did. Because we both know you love to talk. How long have you been here? I don't know, it's hard to say. You know, time passes differently here in the TVA. What does that mean? You'll catch up. Uh, guys, this is our, our first ever, what we're gonna brand as an exclusive rumor, which doesn't really make a lot of sense, but you'll understand it as we talk about it. So often in our line of work, we hear things from sources and industry professionals that give us a little bit of inside knowledge on on what's going on you know at, at observer i've broken a handful of stories and scoops in my day i would never say i'm a scooper like uh, justin kroll or roberto gonzalez but you know every now and then i, I unearth a winner and what and i and let me hearing, just say as your friend there was more that you should have had but got screwed on that is true and i appreciate you saying that because it does frustrate me to no end basically you know the studios unless you're a trade outlet do not treat you very honestly which is frustrating but that is a discussion for another day in which i could complain for the entire one hour length of this podcast but for right now what i've been hearing i haven't confirmed it yet but what i'm hearing and i'm pretty confident on is that in some way shape or form jonathan majors is kang the conqueror who has been confirmed for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is going to debut in some form in Loki, the upcoming Disney Plus series. Now, I am 95 to 100% sure that the concept of Kang, which is a time-traveling character of great importance, will be introduced in Loki. I am less confident about probably 50% so and so that Jonathan Majors will actually make an appearance in Loki, but very sure that the, in some way, shape or form, Loki will be setting up Kang the Conqueror and have that connection to Ant-Man uh, quantum media. So I think that's pretty exciting because obviously as we've seen in the trailers, Loki is going to be hopping throughout time with the Tesseract. He's going to be working with the Time Variance Authority, and that obviously has a clear connection to Kang, who is a time-traveling warlord, for lack of a better term. So uh, I think the pieces are there that, that makes this connection fit into place pretty seamlessly. So first of all, claps up for B, <laughs> dropping that heat. Thank you. Thank um, you. you know, Kang has been, Kang has been in, in the rumors for some time now. He was, you know, post-Thanos. He's always been up there with the... Osborns and uh, uh, Galactuses of being that next multi-film, multi-hero villain. We had previously thought he was going to first pop up in Ant-Man, but given how Loki seems to be connected because of its timeline madness to the larger MCU and the way that that's going to shockwave, like send shockwaves through the timelines, this sort of is the perfect chance to bring him in and to really prove if the two series that come out before this don't already do that, that these MCU shows are a massive deal. Like I think debuting somebody like Kang on a show would be a smart move from them. It would really, and again, once again, we're talking about the MCU and their problems with the villains. Kang can be a very cool one. Absolutely. And introducing him in a show that, 
is looking like it's going to be more surreal and darker than the standard MCU fare could could create the sort of aura of true evil that someone like Kang might need. And anyone who's watched Lovecraft Country or Last Black Man in San Francisco knows that Jonathan Majors is a real solid up and coming talent, you know, someone with with gravitas and and presence and and some solid acting chops. So his introduction, potential introduction in Loki gives this an added value element and helps weave together the different mediums and shows and movies in a more interconnected way, which is exactly what Kevin Feige has talked about for quite a while now. And he also described, which I thought was interesting, Loki as a, a crime thriller. And it's all, it, it comes from Michael Waldron, who's a writer on Rick and Morty. He's showrunner for Loki. He also wrote Doctor Strange too. So that tells me that it's going to be this kind of really awesome hodgepodge of different styles like it's probably going to be sci-fi hilarious like rick and morty and yet still like he said a crime thriller that is a bit spooky which is what we saw in the trailer so i'm very interested to see how all of these ingredients form together in the final recipe and when you take the context of them calling it a crime thriller every crime thriller needs a bad guy there needs to be a you know reveal at the end this trailer did not show us who the, as far as we know, who the primary antagonist of this show is going to be, which only adds further fuel to this Kang news. It would be cool. I mean, again, the benefit of having these vertically integrated in-house uh, platforms is that you can ping pong storylines, characters, and on-screen elements between the TV shows and the film, between the films and the TV shows, and people can spin off and cross over. It gives you so much flexibility where each project feeds interest into the next one. So just from like a structural business standpoint, makes a lot of sense. Uh, now from also, action- uh, I, I, I just want to point out that of the MCU series that we're going to be getting, this is going to be the first one that sort of takes place not on Earth, right? It's going to go into that cosmic MCU corner that we always talk about on the show. And I'm glad you brought that up because it ties into probably the most interesting little known element of Loki. And that is arguably the time variance authority. Well, I just know that they are sort of directly tied into Kang and and sort of what they do is they're sort of like the MCU's bureaucratic because they aren't quite like police. They, ha- they, they do enforce rules, but they're more of like a, and we could tell by the trailer how they're made to look like they work in, I don't know, insurance sales. Like it's yeah. meant to look very boring and Very drag. Umbrella Academy in that yeah. way. Right, exactly, exactly. And so they are sort of the number one entity that they duel with is Kang, because whereas they're trying to bring order to the timelines, you know, Kang is... No, since he's a bad guy, clearly is not. They control in terms of timeline size, how much, and and again, this is in the comics, so they could change this for the show. But in the comics, the scale of the timelines that they have to look out for are two to three times the size of Kang's. So that leads me to believe that this show could see Kang encroaching on their temporal territories and them trying to use Loki to fight him off. 
which would be a brilliant use of Loki. And also reposition him in a more heroic role because this is Avengers 2012 Loki. It's not the redeemed Loki. It's the asshole who just invaded Earth Loki. Well, and they show him wearing a TVA jacket. So he's going to be working for them in some shape or form. The way that I see it is they are employing a superpowered being to fight one off. Which is a smart move. Yeah. And as we saw- Because at the end of the day, the MCU wants to make him a anti-hero. And he needs to be a a hero, especially finally he's getting his own show. It's not going to end with him being the bad guy. I could promise you that. And in the comics, the TVA basically, like you said, it watches over the multiverse. It it prevents them from altering the past and future. And then they also purge realities that threaten to become too dangerous. So they're, they're kind of like a necessary checks and balance that ultimately, even though there's some shady stuff going on, are not the bad guys through and through. Yeah. Now, in the trailer, we saw what appears to be Loki being the origin inspiration for D.B. Cooper. You know, this sunglassed, well-dressed man who jumps out of a plane with a bunch of money, which, first of all, is absolutely awesome and just a brilliant little twist. And as rumored months ago, before we knew anything about Loki, he is supposed to pop around history and influence events. So, Eric, if he's going to be the conspiracy theories wet dream, the conspiracy theorists wet dream as D.B. Cooper, what other conspiracies would you like to see him kind of influence or inspire? Because they could have a lot of fun with that. Well, I think the obvious one for me, you came with a bunch. I just have one is hey, he is obviously somehow involved in the death of JFK. You know, whether, you know, there's always been the talks about two shooters and if the government was involved and the IRS and blah, blah, blah. So of all the United States conspiracy theories, <laughs> I mean, that's probably the one of the biggest ones. So I would love to see him there. See, the reason Dallas, I didn't Texas, go with baby. JFK is because Umbrella Academy season two just did it. And because Bro. there's this kind of similarity in this governing body watching over time, I thought they wouldn't go too far as to have the same exact conspiracy. So I went with three others. And I also thought these would just be funny they would be very funny to come from loki and that is you know roswell new mexico slash area 51 because remember loki is an alien we kind of forget that that this is a world with actual real aliens running about so i'd love to see kind of mainstream america's first experience with ufos be something with loki the other two were loch ness and bigfoot i don't know how they could do that but again what are the funniest uses of loki connected to a conspiracy theory those two by far because they're just goofy as all hell nailed it yeah so i would love to see that that's what would be particularly funny i think you like maybe he lands and like he was in a costume because he was undercover and like someone's like oh my god what's that creature like right and he's just like oh silly humans and he runs away that's good all right now there is another theory floating around the interwebs based on the trailer and what we saw People think that Loki, the series, might resurrect Black Widow because we do see a silhouette of someone who looks like Black Widow on what looks like it could be Vormir, maybe, where the Soul Stone was. Now, other people have sprouted up and shot that down and said it's Sophia DiMartino who was cast months ago uh, and she might be playing Lady Loki. I would say both theories hold merit. If I had to guess which one is more likely, I would say Lady Loki, because I think maybe they're going to leave Black Widow be outside of Black Widow the movie. 
what you just said makes total sense. And I totally agree with that. But what I will say is that Scarlett Johansson is, is still one of the biggest stars in the world. Yes, she is. And the homage or hint or wink and nod to her in that trailer is too strong to just hand wave as coincidence. They are clearly trying to make us think that. No? I mean, that's sort of the vibe that I get. The vo- And more so than the outline of her is how Vormir-esque that planet looks. That shade of like ominous purple, you know? I mean, maybe Lady Loki, similar to Loki, is just this bullshitter who likes to take on other people's forms and, and mess with you. Yeah, I mean, I would agree that it's probably not her, but I have seen it a lot out there. And they both are supposed to come out in May, both uh, the film and the show. So who knows? Who knows indeed, my friend. All right. Any last words before we move on? I think that's it for this week. I am hyped for Friday. Me too. Me too. All right. We are going to move on to our Star Wars draft. But because Eric is just tired of saying that the OG trilogy is overrated and Rogue One is the GOAT, we are actually outsourcing his job today to our friend Skylar Schuler, the editor-in-chief of Diz Insider. He's going to be tagging in for Eric for this Star Wars draft. So we're really getting Skylar, who is the master of all things Disney, and me, who of me and Eric is the bigger Star Wars nerd, going head-to-head in this Star Wars draft. Are you guys ready? Are you ready, Eric? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to hang around just to watch you guys go toe-to-toe. You You're know? just basically hoping that I get my ass kicked. You guys just like, I'm fine with sounding dumb around you, but I, I don't want to sound dumb around a third party. So like, I don't want to spit my Star Wars bullshit around somebody else. Because... I take that as a compliment, <laughs> that we are good enough friends where you're like, yeah, I could sound dumb in front of him. Uh, but you guys both have that true Star Wars love that I simply do not have so i think that the draft will be much more intense because of that and clearly for your own sanity and well-being the next draft will be a batman project draft correct actually i think the next one may be mcu draft wandavision you know i mean what are we supposed to do would they give us no choice i don't know what we're supposed to do Clooney draft who knows there's not much coming once the world goes back to the way things are All we can talk about is what we are given. And right now, it's all Disney shit. Right. And welcome back to the post-credit pod. We are welcoming our very special guest, our good friend, Skylar Schuler, editor-in-chief of the Diz Insider. He is tagging in for Eric Italiano in this Star Wars draft. Because Eric just couldn't hack it. That's just the plain, bold truth. Yes, facts. And (laughs) we all know that if I did get the first pick, I would have taken Rogue One. And the world is simply not prepared for those sort of hot takes. Not yet. So you're really just being altruistic and sympathetic to the world in in that regard. Yes, we've had had a long year. The last thing we need now is my Rogue One bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for anyone who has not listened to our previous fantasy draft podcast, it works like this. Skylar and I are going to go back to back with picks in order to form the best five project roster of Star Wars content. That includes anything on the screen. So movies. TV shows and video games. The goal is to have the best 
five project roster. Now, after each person makes their pick, they'll have the floor to basically explain the rationale, give their reasonings, argue on behalf of their pick, and then their opponent, if they so choose, will have a minute to just kind of debate them, rebuttal, say, hey, this is why it's not a great pick. Because again, we're trying to convince the listeners and our followers that we have the best roster and the other person doesn't. All the fi- all the listeners and home and the followers will be able to vote on it after the episode. We'll release the rosters. Skylar, my friend, because you are our guest, you have the first pick. Man, I, I feel like I'm at a disadvantage with the first pick. This is going to be tough. Oh, wow. So I have a huge list written out. That's smart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Mandalorian. Wow, first overall Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going the, I am going the Mandalorian. It's something, okay, here's why, really quick, is the Mandalorian does a bunch of things really well. It introduces us to new worlds, but still keeping us in the Star Wars universe where new fans can be introduced. You know, we get these characters that we all know and love, but they're not thrown in our faces improperly, which was probably one of my biggest worries. I think we've talked about this on the show is my big worry is throwing these Clone Wars characters in my face and it being too much. And they've proven that, no, this is still the Mandalorian and the child or now Grogu. And um, each story you're invested in, there hasn't been positive Star Wars talk on the internet in a long time. And it's good to see positive Star Wars talk with the Mandalorian. Each episode you're invested in, they might not be the best episode week in, week out, but you're invested. And you know, this, it's continuing, it's strong, everyone loves, you know, your title character, and I just think, you know, two really great seasons, th- that's just great Star Wars, so it's almost like taking three or four movies in one pick. Wow, okay, Skylar, I was not expecting yeah. Mando to go first overall, of course it was on my list, but first overall, yeah. I, I respect the boldness, I actually really, really like your explanation, but I have to respectfully disagree with taking sure. it first overall. Uh, while I, knew I think it was going to be hot topic. Yeah, no, you're coming out swinging, man. I respect that. Well, and let me just add, I am a guy who says that this show is as close as I've ever been, not counting Rogue One to sort of understanding that Star Wars awe, that sense of yeah. like, wow, this is Star Wars right here. And this show has given me that more than once. So... I respect the hell out of that pick because you know that the fans all were assuming what the first pick would be and what it maybe should be. But for you to not go that route, love it. (laughs) Love it, sir. It's bold. I mean, listen, it's not what I would have taken first overall. I think I've been pretty clear and open about my criticisms of the show on this pod in that I prefer the serialized, carried over narrative as opposed to the kind of standalone Westerns of the week. But I still really obviously get a lot of enjoyment of the show, but man, Mando first, I'm happy you did that because now I get to take what is probably the consensus top overall pick. And that is star Wars. The empire strikes back. There is no escape. Don't make me destroy you. Luke. You do not yet realize your importance. You have only begun to discover your power. Join me, and I will complete your training. With our combined strength, 
who can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. I'll never join you! If you only knew the power of the dark side, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough! He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. Of course. Not, not necessarily needed a huge explanation, but because this is half of my podcast, I'm going to give one anyway, because it's my oh, microphone, my airtime. <laughs> So I, I think darker is often better when it comes to storytelling and the Empire Strikes Back is more involving because it is more mature and heartbreaking and it makes bolder decisions than arguably any other Star Wars movie. Uh, at the time of its release, this was the greatest blockbuster twist in movie history. Obviously, I'm referring to Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. It practically invented a subgenre in the process while elevating the franchise-friendly material to kind of new emotional heights. At the time, you know, it, it feels like a fresh and exuberant original despite being a sequel. And I think part of that is certainly Irvin Kirshner's direction, which makes everything feel bigger, both visually and conceptually. Empire also introduces Yoda, which I've written about ad nauseum for Observer. He is the vehicle for Star Wars's best philosophical musings overall. And so I think when you take all of that as a whole, and the history behind it, and the general fan love. I, I think that is the obvious first pick, but I respect that you went with, you know, you did the non-Reggie Bush pick. You, you went the other way. Oh, of course. And that yeah. makes this an interesting draft right off the bat. It was hard not to pick Empire. It Obviously, it's top five, of course. Um, top two, top three, maybe. Um, but yeah, it's just there's something about the Mandalorian that keeps it dark, keeps it a little light, you know, at the same time. Something I think you can make an argument for with Empire. Um, but yeah, it's a good pick. I, it's hard to argue Empire as your number one pick. What, what's brave here is that you're saying this before we know how season two ends as well. Oh, yeah. Like that could yeah. have a huge factor because once you have two it, it complete could. seasons, you know, whether they save Grogu or not, is going to determine a lot of how people long-term feel about season two, I think. Right. Um, not for us, but I, you know, cause I have loved it so far, but for you to say this, despite not knowing how it's going to end up brave. I love it. This is a, yeah. this is the perfect start to a draft. <laughs> Skylar is calling My his hope. shot Babe Ruth style. Of course. All right, so now, now wait, I'm uh, well, to see what you followed up with. While we are on it, I just want to ask you, which spinoff show or new show are you most pumped for? Oh, wow. You know what? It's probably, and I shouldn't say prob probably, it's probably The Acolyte. It's that Sith, the darkness, that's probably what it is. Um, there's something different about it. I know what I'm getting with Ahsoka. I know what I'm getting with Rangers of the New Republic. If you watch the recent episode of uh, The Mandalorian. Um, so yeah, it's probably the Acolyte. Skylar, I, I agree. Acolyte and Obi-Wan are just... Phew. Yeah. I mean, Andor looked cool, but yeah, I'll go into... I, I'd probably go into that later. All right. Sounds good. All right. For your second pick, Skylar, you started off with a bang. What's going to be the second pick? It's for me... And it'll always be this pick. And you might not like the pick, but it's Return of the Jedi. Gods, leave us. 
I'm looking forward to completing your training. In time, you will call me Master. You're gravely mistaken. You won't convert me as you did my father. Oh no, my young Jedi. You will find that it is you who are mistaken about a great many things. It closed out the the original trilogy perfectly. Yeah, there, we tell new stories with the sequel trilogy, the uh, prequel trilogy, but it just wrapped up so nicely. Uh, you know, you get this redemption story for Vader. You get, you know, the Emperor's fall. You get all sorts of wonderful battle scenes that are on par with an Empire Strikes Back. Yes, there are some little things in Return of the Jedi that just could be thrown away. You can make an argument, yes or no, to the Ewoks and the end, all the indoor stuff. But I thought the indoor stuff looked beautiful. I thought the battles within indoor looked great, seeing those ATSTs just coming in and these little Ewoks attacking. It's just, it's, it's so much fun. And it's coming off of ultimately one of the greatest pieces of cinema outside of, you know, Star Wars with Empire Strikes Back. And I just think it might not be the big step up, but it's definitely not the big step down in the whole Star Wars universe. So it's definitely uh, Return of the Jedi. Skylar, you're making some surprising picks, but that one I can't very much argue with. Uh, I'll get into it a little bit in my next pick, but personally for me, when Luke confronts the Emperor and Vader, that whole sequence is my favorite Star Wars sequence of all, without it's, a doubt. So I, it's hard for me yeah, to argue that it, because I, yeah, I have a special place for Return of the Jedi. It's it's crazy because that's the that's the turning point for Luke right there, choosing what he's gonna be going forward. You know, it's stuff we don't know and maybe we'll know in the future, but you know, it's the turning point for him, and then the ultimate you know, ultimate sacrifice for him and his father. So He's I agree with you. All of space Hitler. He makes him a good guy again. How do you <laughs> yeah. not love that? It's crazy. Have you gotten so, your top two picks? Were these your ideal first two picks? Yeah. Yeah, they were actually. All right. The wow. strategies are conflicting yeah. and oppositional, and that's what makes for a good draft. All right, having said all that, I really, truly do love Return of the Jedi, but I think because of its lower elements, you know, such as the Ewoks and, and things that happen on Endor, not the bike, speeder bike chase, which is phenomenal, but I, I do think the movie drags, especially a little bit in that third act before Luke confronts sure. the, the Emperor. So I am going with Star Wars A New Hope. He says that he is the property of Obi-Wan Kenobi, a resident of these parts, and it's a private message for him. Quite frankly, sir, I don't know what he's talking about. Our last master was Captain Antilles, but with all we've been through, this little R2 unit has become a bit eccentric. Obi-Wan Kenobi, I wonder if he means old Ben Kenobi. I beg your pardon, sir, but do you know what he's talking about? Well, I don't know anyone named Obi-Wan, but old Ben lives out beyond the Dune Sea. He's kind of a strange old hermit. Help me, Obi-Wan who she is sounds like she's in trouble i better play back the whole thing following the critical heights of stanley kubrick's 2001 a space odyssey 
1977, Star Wars helped to legitimize the science fiction genre as a bankable blockbuster lane in Hollywood and becoming arguably the first mainstream otherworldly big bucks film franchise in American cinema. So if Spielberg invented the summer blockbuster with 1975's Jaws, then I think George Lucas reimagined the possibilities of the form while elevating its ceiling to skyscraper heights a couple years later. I mean, from the technical wizardry that was unparalleled at the time, practically invented blockbuster special effects, uh, one of the most purely enjoyable and fun films ever made from start to finish. It kind of had that open world expansiveness of great fantasy that, that preceded it. And it leads fans down this end, these endless rabbit holes of new knowledge and research to this day. You know, without Star Wars, there is no Wikipedia, which I spend hours on. Oh, so, doesn't everyone? Yeah, exactly. So to me, Star Wars, A New Hope, it, it it evokes the feeling of this wondrous familiarity and exists today as this happiest of memories for film fans, as well as a defining addition to cinematic history. And I think for those reasons and its impact on the field, I would take it over Return of the Jedi, even though, like I said, Luke confronting the Emperor, probably the high point of the whole original trilogy for me. So that's my pick. I'm going with it's A New Hope. Again, it's hard to argue, you know, two of the, you know, two out of, you know, well, we're, we're, we got our the three already now. So it's hard to argue the three of the greatest, you know, Star Wars features of all time. Um, it, it, and you're right, you make some good points. And A New Hope is what kickstarted, you know, sci-fi to a new level. And I agree with that. But with Empire, Empire took it to that next level and Return of the Jedi just helped expanded the world even further and larger. Empire does it in some parts. I just like that we're expanding new worlds, new horizons. Uh, whether or not you like the new cuts of the, uh, the original trilogy, you see all these new worlds and places that are unexplored. And that's what I find uh, really great about the uh, Return of the Jedi. But it's, again, hard to argue a new hope. All right. So now are these your two top picks? Um, yes. My <laughs> my first two picks were Empire and A New Hope. So right now I'm very happy with how this draft has started. But I have to say, despite the surprising nature of Skylar's picks, you're making some pretty good arguments that are that are turning me a little bit. I'm like, well, shit, it, it, I can kind of see what he means. It, it's going both ways here. So, And I, I want to ask, how old were you? when you saw Star Wars for the first time? And was it the first one? You know what's funny is the first time I saw Star Wars, I was, oh, I might have been four or five years old, and it wasn't even one of the original trilogies. It was the animated <laughs> droid movies with C-3PO and R2-D2, and they went on these wacky adventures. Oh, it's weird. Weird animated movie. I'm sure. That's how you know your fanhood is pure. It's It was weird. And then... Then my dad introduced me to the movies when I was like six or seven. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I See, like these two guys. That's the key, Brandon. See, and yeah. you, B? Four. Because, well, Skylar, I always talk about that. And I still think it's true to this day. One of the keys to having a Star Wars fandom like you guys have is seeing it at the right age. I think I caught them too late and was therefore aware of the fact that they looked old. So I wasn't able to really latch on until the modern day effects caught up to what I had grown up with. Oh, for sure. So I think that you sort of proved that point. 
I think that's how, and that's similar to how I feel with like Star Trek is a big example. I'm not a big Trekkie, but I prefer the newer Star Trek to the older Star Trek. And I, you know, even if you look at like the CBS All Access shows and the newer Abrams movies, um, I feel the same way because I, I didn't grow up watching, you know, the original series or even Next Generation. So I think we're on the I same. will say I didn't grow up with Star Trek either, but I watched uh, the Next Generation probably two years ago. I loved it, man. It was great. It was such a good show to just like, oh, wow, so many seasons. I can't wait to just hit all of these, whether it's background or like intensely focused. And I'm not a huge Trekkie overall. I do pay attention and, and try to keep up with like Picard and Discovery and whatnot. But Next Generation is is great TV, in my opinion, even though it's old and cheesy. <laughs> it, it's cheesy, but it's, it's Sir Patrick Stewart. How can you not exactly. care? Number one. So, all right, Skylar, this is an explosive start to this draft that it did not go in, in either direction expected. What is your third pick, my friend? All right, it's time to shock the world even more. It's Rogue One. The captain says you are a friend. I will not kill you. Thanks. There isn't much time. Every day they grow stronger. There's a 97.6% chance of failure. He means well. This is our chance to make a real difference. Here's why it's Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Rogue it's about One time. I was getting yeah. nervous over here. Rogue, Rogue One Nation, One. stand up. Yeah. I love Rogue One. Rogue One, a Star Wars story proved to me quite a few things. You can tell a great Star Wars movie without having Jedi in it. You can tell a brand new story by keeping us in a familiar world and with some familiar aspects. When you see the villains in uh, Rogue One, you know they're the Empire. You know that these guys are badass and not looking to mess around. When you take a look at, at these scoundrels, you know these are rebel spies. And that's what I like about Rogue One. It was able to tell us a story that we that uh, we know and love, but shifting it into an origin story. And I love that. And I love, 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 love the fact that it was the first Star Wars movie to feel like a war movie. And I like the groundedness. I like the grittiness on that. You know, the third act was just purely amazing to me. That battle on the beach and you see these ATATs walking and they're shooting cannons at it and it's not affecting them. You, you see Chirrut who's who feels like he's a Jedi, but he's not a true Jedi. He just feels the force. You know, ultimately one of the most coolest scenes in Star Wars with that Darth Vader scene taking out all those rebel troopers as he's trying to get the plans back to the Death Star, which ultimately leads into your number two pick a new hope. Rogue One, a Star Wars story, is a fantastic origin story to the overall whole of star wars that we know today you know what man each of your other picks i have had negatives to pick at and kind of an argument as to why i, I don't necessarily agree rogue one was my targeted third round pick i i have nothing to say except well played sir well played it's a it's a good one and i wish more people would fall in love with it it's just it's just fantastic and i don't want to just you know regurgitate everything you just said but it 
what I, I really love about it, it's cleverest Star Wars films in terms of its central conceit, relying on 40-year history of Star Wars in, to, in order to actually tell a strikingly different story in terms of focus, narrative, tone, and timber. Everything you just said, uh, I just got to give, give respects to it, man. I appreciate that. All right, so follow that up. I am going to make a, a, a little pivot, and I think this is where fans might start grumbling. I'm going to go with Star Wars The Force Awakens. The dark side. A Jedi. Jedi's highs are higher than The Force Awakens, but its lows are lower. So I am going with what I think is the more complete and consistent movie, even if it's less ambitious at their respective peaks. But to me, regardless of what the, the consensus has become, The Force Awakens is still a thrill ride blast of a movie. I described it once to a friend as the best B-plus I ever got. That's how I think of oh, this movie. It's the funniest of the entire franchise, without a doubt. It introduces four new characters, all of whom are extremely interesting, well-acted, and at the time where we only had that film in the new series, extremely well thought out within the context of that first movie. Uh, it introduced an entirely new generation to Star Wars and was, is one of the most commercially successful films in Hollywood history. And I do think we have to look at cultural impact when weighing these choices. Uh, pound for pound, I think The Force Awakens is an important movie in Star Wars history, and despite its original trilogy copying flaws, extremely light on its feet with phenomenal rewatchability. Interesting. I don't disagree with a lot of your main points. I will say that the copy and pacing, while I like The Force Awakens very much, the copy and pacing did feel a little off to me. It's like, okay, we're we're attacking the new Death Star and we got to blow up the new Death Star. And there's some beats in there that I, that I was like, oh, okay, but over, I, I agree. It's a thrill ride. It's fun. And it did introduce us to new characters and uh, wasn't going to be my next pick. So I'm glad. <laughs> Listen, I get it. And when fans on Twitter start I, evaluating our list, I will understand their critiques. But I also want a lot of these people to go back to the first time they watched in theaters. And you, I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who didn't walk out being like, you know, flaws and all, that was a good time. Yeah, it's, it's, that's hard to disagree with. But all right, now I'm interested because now we're really starting to diverge. And I yeah. like that. So I think you started it off at, at, with your pitch. For me, it's The Last Jedi. It's here's why. I like that it was something different. It Ryan Johnson, who's a fantastic director, if you look at his previous work and current work, everything he's got, the dude can direct. And I think Absolutely. he directed a damn good Star Wars movie. Um, there's something beautiful about Star Wars. The battle on crate is absolutely gorgeous. These vehicle scenes, you have this really nice little standoff with Luke Skywalker uh, and Kylo Ren, and it might not be the standoff everyone wanted i think it was the standoff that was needed and i thought that was properly told the way it was there's a beautiful moment on crate where luke skywalker walks out 
and he gives Leia this warm embrace and a kiss. And I just thought that was beautiful after everything that had happened, sadly, with Carrie Fisher. I thought that was just a beautiful moment. I'm sorry. I know. I know you are. I'm just glad you're here at the end. I came to face him, Leia. And I can't say. I held out hope for so long, but I know my son's gone. No one's ever really gone. Um, there, I actually am one of the few people that really liked the Rose Tico character in uh, The Last Jedi. I thought she was fine. Um, I really, I really like. Um, Finn and I think Finn really got his due in this movie. Uh, th like The Force Awakens, there's there's some flaws in there. I don't feel the the lows are as low as a lot the internet might say, and I think that the best you know saber battle is in the Last Jedi in Snoke's throne room. I thought that was an excellent scene where you know you think for a split second that maybe Ray had turned, you know, Ben back over to the light side for a split second. And then all of a sudden they start battling these guards, teaming up really great choreography. And then right at the end, there's that turn. And then, you know, okay, it looks like Ray lost and he's going dark and taking over as that perennial force and emperor. And, I just think that I think those the main characters that were introduced in The Force Awakens shined much better in The Last Jedi. They were given something to do. And again, I go back to these new worlds, these new planets. Like I liked the casino planet. I thought it looked great at night. You see it all lit up and you see these ships at night. It's everything at night in a Star Wars on a Star Wars planet looks so much better to me. There's getting the shine off the the ships with the lights in the background and you know, it's it was a for me the last jedi is a fun thrill ride and um yeah like i said i know it's got its flaws but i think the flaws are minor to the overall grand scale of the sequel trilogy i'm back skylar you are you are killing this kid and all right first, <laughs> just on rose rose is good it's the way that she was used that i think is the killer um i agree oh, sure. with with your points rose and finn are both likable as hell but that side quest, even though I agree with you, I actually love this film. It's in my top three-ish Star Wars things of all time. Uh, and I think you sort of reflect my fandom a lot. And I think B would say the same. Your top three looks a lot like what mine would have. Um, I have said that the throne room scene where Ray's hand pops up is my favorite Star Wars shot of all time. And the fact that people out there dunk on this film, I could see not enjoying the film, but the hate that that specific scene gets compared against how much it does for me as a Star Wars fan sort of blows my mind. So to hear you say it, all the same things that I think, A1. It, it is the most overhated film right now in film criticism, and it baffles me to this day. It always has, and it always will. I agree that it's overhated, and I ultimately like it overall. I, I love, love everything Ryan Johnson does with Luke, with Ray, and Kylo. What I don't like is the side quest with Finn and, and Rose. I think it's ultimately does it fails to execute its 
goal. I think it fails to clearly and compellingly get across its message. I don't like the Canto bite sequences. I, I don't like the friction between Admiral Holdo and Poe. I don't like that most of our main characters are split up for nearly the entirety of the film, stuck in subplots that don't really go anywhere and kind of run in circles. I think it's visually stunning. I think the, the throne room scene is one of the best scenes ever. And again- It is a great scene. And again, I, I, like I said, the highs are higher. Ray, Kylo, and Luke. I love all of that. But the 25% of the movie that really drags me down takes me out of it to the point where I, I'm going with maybe a lesser product in The Force Awakens, but a more consistent product. I can, I could, I can't, or even though I personally don't mind the side quest, I can agree with your, your uh, critique of the side quest. Like, and I'm in the minority with the side quest thing. Trust me that I understand. I will say the Holdo uh, Poe sequences, I didn't like it first. And then I did a rewatch and it's just, there's something compelling about being a female in an admiral role telling a, a man, no, you need to stand down. And in the back of her mind, and Poe doesn't realize this, in the back of this strong female uh, admiral's mind, in the back of her mind is, I'm trying to save your damn life. <laughs> you can't know the things that I know. And then that, I, it took me a rewatch to understand that. So when Poe finally realizes from Leia, okay, she was trying to protect everyone by doing this. And then the ultimate sacrifice is obviously Holdo just light speeding into that ship, which is an awesomely beautiful awesome. silent shot. Um, that's where I, that's where you'll see me on social media defending the Holdo stuff. But again, I'm in the minority. That's just the reason why I am okay with the Poe Holdo stuff. Um, but again, yeah, I'm in the minority with the uh, side quests. So listen, I'm on record as saying I would have loved to seen ryan johnson's trilogy freed and unencumbered from the right. shackles of 45 years of star wars canon free from the world building of a sequel trilogy just just him completely disconnected he's one of the most unique writers in hollywood in terms of mainstream yeah. cinema i, I would have loved to see it and it's a real real pain that it's not going to happen you don't think it happens I, I think if it was going to happen, we definitely would have gotten an announcement last Thursday at Investor's Day, and we would have gotten an, an announcement at any time in the last two and a half years. I think I'm still holding out hope. If you go to StarWars.com, they removed the Benioff and Weiss film from their from their official website, finally, and they still have the Ryan Johnson stuff there, so right, I'm keeping maybe. my fingers crossed. So Maybe after but there's the, all, the Knives Star Out Wars, franchise. Yeah, right? I, don't, I think they saw Knives Out, and they're like, eh, maybe we don't want to get rid of this guy just yet. I hope. I hope maybe, that's the maybe case. you're right because I would love to see him unshackled from the Skywalker uh, franchise. All right, for my next pick, I am going to take my first small screen selection, and that is Star Wars Rebels. For the <sighs> first time in decades, Star Wars delivered new and unexplored adventures to fans in Rebels. An entirely new cast of characters to be introduced to, to learn about and fall in love with. New worlds, new concepts, new mythology to be dissected, analyzed, and evaluated. Along the way, Rebels, what I think it did best is expand our understanding of a galaxy far, far away and add these scintillating chapters to the Jedi mythos, which, which I absolutely loved. Everything with their greater philosophical a mystical force exploration was I thought was just so unbelievably cool. And it never lost sight of the kind of magical spectacle of Star Wars. 
our ragtag group of nomadic heroes feel deliberately unpolished, especially in comparison to the kind of meticulously fine-tuned films and The Clone Wars, which I loved, that dealt with mostly known quantities. So I I think Star Wars can very often fall in on itself, relying on every familiar face and cameo and fan service. And Star Wars Rebels really went out of its comfort zone. And it also was uh, the continuation of Dave Filoni's ascendance in Lucasfilm. So I thought it was really important also for the kind of hierarchy shakeup within Lucasfilm. So I'm going with Rebels. I I really enjoy Rebels. It's... um. I really like the new characters they introduce and who knows, we might even see them in future animated or live action series and or movies. So it's hard to argue Rebels because Rebels is such a pivot from what we know with Star Wars uh, in terms of um, characters and storytelling because it's completely different. That said, I am glad you picked it because now I'm torn between my three picks that I had. I have my my fifth pick and then two backup picks. And now it makes it tough. <laughs> There's three and I'm really torn between all three of them. I'm going to go to the Clone Wars. I think everything you said about the Rebels can be said with the Clone Wars. I think it, it, it here's what the Clone Wars did in a whole. And I'm talking the Clone Wars Dave Filoni series. series. Um, yeah. I'm not talking the Clone Wars 2D animated Samurai Jack Clone Wars that was there for like a season or whatever. I'm not talking about the Clone Wars movie. I'm talking about the Dave Filoni series. What it did better than any of the prequel trilogy movies is it told us a cohesive story during the Clone Wars. The Clone Wars to me was one of the most over rushed uh, storyline in the prequel trilogy. It introduced us to a lot of things, sure, but it was so rushed and the Clone Wars and Dave Filoni did something so amazing and tell these stories that you think you'd be like watching and be like, oh, I know what happens. You really don't know what happens in the Clone Wars. You get introduced to these characters that we know and love, Ahsoka Tano. Uh, you get, you dive deeper into um, a lot of these clone troopers and the, the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin, which is pivotal to ultimately what becomes of the Star Wars franchise as is in a whole and it introduces us to rebels that's awesome it's a great lead in rebels is you know a great part of the star wars you know franchise but the clone wars is what started it off kicked it off and i think overall it just tells a i think it tells a better story yeah i mean i'm really pissed because that was gonna be my last pick (laughs) (laughs) i i kind of don't have a rebuttal for that because i think The Clone Wars is probably the saving grace of the prequel era. Like you said, it kind of refurbishes Anakin after he took a huge hit in the the prequel movies. Uh, It it establishes Obi-Wan as a deeper connection. It introduces Ahsoka. It then then introduces Dave Filoni, which, as I touched on, is a massive development within Lucasfilm. So Clone Wars was going to be my pick. Now I'm scrambling a little bit, and I think out of desperation, and this really, truly pains me to do it for my last pick because I don't like it, but now because I have to make an argument for it, I'm going to go with episode three, Revenge of the Sith. 
Yeah, that was I'll be honest, that was one of the ones I was toying with next to Solo a Star Wars story. The, the, those were the two that I was like struggling with on the fence, but I was like, ah, eh, Clone Wars tops both of those. Yeah, and I, I agree that's why I wanted Clone Wars, but man, you're snaking me into a into a, a tough situation. I am a unabashed prequel hater. I do not like any of them, but for the purposes of this fantasy draft and debate. And as anyone who's played fantasy sports knows, sometimes you just get forced into a corner and you got to take a pick. So of the prequel trilogy, I think it's easily fair game to say Revenge of the Sith is by far the best one. It probably has the best opening hour, hour 15 of the entire prequel trilogy. Uh, It really is kind of this swashbuckling throwback Indiana Jones and space vibe for the first half. Uh, I think the Mustafar duel with Obi-Wan is pretty incredible, all things considered. Yes, there's a ton of unnecessary karate moves and balletic dancing, but it's also I love that pretty stuff, epic. By the way. I, I love it within reason, but I, I think and in this instance... I why? will do what I must just yeah. goes so unbelievably oh. hard that it's, it's yeah, tough. You, yeah, you could make an argument the last 30 minutes of Revenge of the Sith is better than the anything else in the prequel I've trilogy. I've done that very thing on this show. And oh, yeah, see, well, I'm not a huge fan. There's there's definitely epic moments, great lines. And I think probably it's lasting contribution and, and why it is worthy of my pick here. It's I think the, the whole third act is good. Like the last hour <laughs> or so, I think is good. Just, uh, just if I wasn't clear, trying though. to argue in favor of it, I would disagree. I disagree with you? Okay, but because, sorry. but because I am arguing in favor, I think it's lasting contribution, and, and the most important thing it delivers to the Star Wars canon is the realization, acknowledgement, and full 360 degree picture of how the Jedi Order fell victim to its own hubris and arrogance, how their own belief in their own legend, like Luke Skywalker says in Last Jedi, ultimately led to their downfall, how Obi-Wan and Yoda failed to protect, nurture, support, and be emotional, emotionally present for Anakin and not just focus on the order above all at expense of the individual. I think it is so fascinating. And this I actually do do agree with and, and do mean, even though I've said a lot of bad things about the prequels i think it's fascinating and compelling and rich thematic ground that the jedi order like the roman empire before fell from within i think that makes such an amazing statement on systematic power on institutional organizations on uh uh, millennia old religions I, i think it's this wonderfully complex and layered thematic component that sets up the rest of the franchise and is arguably the defining characteristic of the Jedi long-term. So I think that's very uh, potent, very thoughtful. And if we're just talking basically cool points, similar to the throne room scene, Order 66 is badass. It's it's evocative of the Godfather during the montage when they kill all of their rivals. It is certainly a a, a big moment. And then if we want to just talk one subdivision of kind of cool points, the memes Revenge of the Sith has produced. It has stayed relevant in pop culture and internet culture for more than a decade because of the memes. So if I, you back me into a corner with your great last pick, Skylar. So I'm going with Revenge of the Sith. It was, I'm not going to lie. It was the one I was like, you know, it was my, it was the third on the list of ones if I had to take them because once I knew my, my two picks, 
I knew that the meat of Star Wars was going to be taken. Um, so I had to be ready. So I'm glad Clone Wars was available. I'm glad I'm glad you made a good argument for Revenge of the Sith because I would have made the exact same argument. All right. So before we move on to the last bit in our podcast, Skylar, take us through your top five again. I'll take uh, the listeners up through my top five. We're going to post them on social media and have the fans, have the listeners and followers <laughs> vote on which one they like more. All right, Skylar, take it away. All right, number one, I had The Mandalorian, which surprised everyone. Number uh, two, I had uh, Return of the Jedi. Number three, I had Rogue One. Number four, I had The Last Jedi. And then I closed it out with The Clone Wars. An eclectic, unexpected, but powerful five-man roster. Maybe the Eastern Conference West uh, All-Stars, if this was (laughs) NBA. I'll try to put up the Western. Uh, For me, number one, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Number two, Star Wars, A New Hope. Number three, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Number four, Star Wars, Rebels. And number five, because Skylar is craftier than he looks, Star Wars, (laughs) Revenge of the Sith. Like I said, we're going to put this on social media. We want you guys to vote. Tell us who you think has the better five-man roster. Tell us which five you would have taken. All right, now before we leave, we have two listener questions because we, we threw it out on Twitter that we were going to be deep diving into Star Wars. We wanted to see what the, the listeners and the followers had to say. The first question, and always let us know what you guys are thinking, at Pod on Twitter. This first question comes from at Elliot underscore Bull 2. Which Star Wars film do you see yourself most in, and what will be your profession in that universe? Creative question. Skylar, you want to go first? I want to be in the profession that does not get me killed. And that seems like no profession. Um, <laughs> Good I would already. I would totally, just to be in the safest position in the Star Wars universe, because if, you know, there's always that question, what movie universe would you like to live in? It definitely isn't Star Wars. Um, I would be the announcer guys for the pod race. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would be, the pod racer announcer. I think that's the really, really practical answer. And that's in uh, episode one of Phantom Menace, correct? Yep, it has to be that. I think that's a really practical answer. I respect that, my friend. I would be a a pro blackjack player on Canto Bite. (laughs) There you go. Boom. You'd just be gambling and boozing like Justin Theroux, your hero. My dog. That is the the one good thing about that entire part. Now, because I saw this movie when I was four, because I bothered my parents to buy me all the lightsaber toys. I 100% see myself most in A New Hope and I 100% would want to be a Jedi because I've always wanted to be a Jedi. I'm 28 years old. I still want to be a Jedi. Uh, I would definitely be a Jedi who broke the rules and everything. Like you're not allowed to have relationships or attachments or anything. Yeah, I mean, you send me on a mission seven quadrants away across the galaxy. I'm definitely breaking some rules, you know? Oh, of course. You you can't be following me in the bar 30 quadrants away, so... I would be a Jedi and it would be Star Wars A New Hope. You're you're bra- you're braver than I am. I've seen what 11, 11 movies and I am uh I am scared for anyone that's a Jedi. Yeah, listen, I probably wouldn't survive very long, but man, you it'd never be cool know. to move things with the, with the Force. You might All be right. the greatest Jedi. Uh, maybe. I, I appreciate your confidence. Yeah, All right, second question from at @greenfiend1 could we be, could we be going to Camino in the season two finale of The Mandalorian? 
given Pershing has the Camino cloner insignia on his shoulder patch, and since Boba Fett is an unaltered clone from Camino. What do you think, Skylar, as the resident Disney expert? Oh, man. I... I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that when Boba Fett, uh, you know, detaches himself from, you know, the Mandalorian and the child and whoever else is going to be within the group. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he gets his suit back, heads back to Camino, whether to commemorate his father or maybe someone there has an updated suit for him or something along those lines. I don't think we're going to be there for a huge chunk of this, you know, finale, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we do revisit with Boba Fett for a short time towards the end of the series. While I do think it's not without other realm of possibility, I don't think it's going to happen. I think the finale has too much heavy lifting to do in terms of uh, saving baby Yoda, confronting Moff Gideon, setting up season three and the upcoming spinoffs, perhaps, uh, maybe getting us, giving us a few Jedi hints because of what Grogu was doing uh, at the at the magical space rock that whose name I can't remember. So I think while it would be a cool little side chapter, it might be too much of a diversion this deep into the end game. It's hard to argue. We just don't know. We have to we'll stay see. tuned. Well, Skylar, thank you so much for coming on and talking Star Wars with us. Before we go, anything you want to <laughs> plug, anything you want to promote please let the people know where they can find you on social media, where, where they can find your podcast and what you got going on. Awesome. Yeah. I'm uh, at Skylar Schuler on a uh, Twitter. Uh, you can head over to Instagram. I'm private, but uh, you know, if you want to come check out, you know, pictures of my dog and my son and me, <laughs> I mean, come on over. Uh, I'll, I'll accept you. Um, I'm always posting about movies and arguing with people on Twitter. Cause it's fun. Uh, you can <laughs> check out, you can check out the disinsider.com. Uh, we have a lot of great content on the site right now. We were lucky enough to drop a, a couple of scoops last week that uh, might interest some of you Disney fans. And, uh, you know, we have the Diz Insider show on Patreon. Uh, myself and my co-editor in chief, Derek Cornell, host that show. Uh, you have been on, Brandon. Eric, we need to get you on. Great time. Uh, uh, and then... Yeah, check out the show. It's over at patreon.com forward slash Diz Insider. We drop a rumor of the week, which is a really popular segment that is, you know, we've had a bunch of rumors get confirmed and that's more just what we hear in the Disney verse that we like to throw out as the rumor of the week that we can't get confirmed on our website. So it's a, it's a fun time. Yeah, guys, I mean, Disney is the most monolithic media entertainment conglomerate in the world. And forget the Hollywood Reporter, forget Deadline, forget Variety. <laughs> this guy is the Disney expert on all the ins and outs. Highly recommend you go check out his stuff. Again, Skylar, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you for coming out swinging with some unexpected haymakers in this draft. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoy being on the show. It was a, it's been a, a great ride. Uh, next time you guys do a draft and it's Disney Pixar, just remember me. That'll be a blast if uh, if you guys ever do that and need to consider someone. Um, and thanks. Uh, congrats on all the success on the show. Thank you. Now it is up to the fans to decide who is the winner. Yes, and don't forget my five picks were Rogue One, Mando, and then Rogue One four more times. Those are great picks. Isn't that six? That's six. (laughs) You cheated. And you don't know math. Oh, yeah. Fuck you, Friday. Until next time. Peace.
My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. 